I am very happy to welcome you to the Christ Journey family today, whether you're connecting with us at Gables Campus, Kindle Campus, across the nation, around the world. We are in our fourth and final message in the series, The Christ Journey, Your Personal Pathway to Blessing. And today, the blessing is audacity, and we're playing God's blessing upon you in that. Have you ever done anything audacious? What was the most audacious thing you've ever done? Now, yesterday I did this. I was rappelling off of a 10-story building um, on Third Avenue in Miami as part of the Youth for Christ experience that was raising money to fight youth violence. So you're wondering, how was it? It was scary, it was exciting, and I'm glad it's done. So happy to be back. Uh, But audacity is the noun, and it means the willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. Now, on the negative side, it can mean rude and disrespectful. On the positive side, it can mean daring and grit. Have you ever done anything audacious? Now, the first thing coming to mind for me, are you ready for this, was propose marriage over the phone. I did this. Did you know that? I did this. 21 years old, and... um, Lisa and I had been, at the time, I was not thinking daring or courageous. At the time, I was not thinking rude or disrespectful. I was thinking I had an aha moment in my heart, and the most honorable thing to do was to declare it to Lisa as soon as possible, because the last time, we'd been dating for a while, and the last time we parted company, the relationship was kind of, neither one of us knew where it was going to go, and it was like, up in the air, and then we parted company, and she stayed in Missouri working at a ministry, and I moved to Oklahoma to be a student pastor there, and, um, and so we're separated by the miles in totally different states, and I'm looking at her photograph one afternoon in my apartment, and you know, she's gorgeous, and I started writing her a letter, handwritten letter, before I knew it, it was 12 handwritten pages long, <laughs> and at the conclusion of it, I wrote, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love you. Now, I never use those words. I never use those words. Some guys may use them freely in their relationships with women, not me. I had told myself, I will never tell a woman I love you unless the next question is immediately out of my mouth. You know, there's another question that needs to be asked in light of that. So I went on and wrote that question right after the declaration in my letter. I said, I guess what that really means is I want you to be my wife. And then I'm looking at that like, (laughs) what? And I thought, I can't put this in the mail. I got to call her. (laughs) So I did. And, um, And on the other end of the line, I said, Lisa, I just wrote you a letter. Would you mind if I read it to you? (laughs) And she said, okay. It's got a little bit of surprise because, you know, last time we parted, where's this going? And uh, so by the end of the letter, it's quiet on the other end of the line. (laughs) And she says, "Um, do you want my answer now? And I said, well, I want you to know where I stand. At least that's what I remember saying. And she said, well, I want to be your wife. And I'm shocked. I'm like, totally, you do? This is so awesome. (laughs) Uh, So, and so it began. The audacity, right? 
the audacity, and yet now the blessing. 40 years we've been together, and, um, and I am so <laughs> thankful. Um, you know, maybe next week she can tell you her side, we'll see. Um, have you ever done anything audacious? I mean, you follow your heart, you trust, uh, your, your, you, you show some courage, you push through your fear, and maybe others don't understand it, and maybe you don't even understand it, but the door of opportunity opens, you take it, and then the blessing comes, the blessing of audacity. Today we come to the final beatitude, your personal pathway to blessing in kingdom audacity. This ninth attitude to be is uh, probably isn't gonna make sense to you. Uh, you may never have tried it, ever. Maybe you've never even seen it done. In fact, you may have done just the opposite, and if not out loud, then you've been doing it inside. So here's a word of warning on the front end. This is not Jesus sending home leftovers after a satisfying feast for 5,000 people. This is Jesus the disciple maker trying to challenge leaders that he's handing the kingdom off to. So if you came for a snack pack of spiritual treats today, this may not be your message. This is Jesus the audacious. And here's what I mean. Listen to what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, say, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Blessing because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they have persecuted the prophets who were before you. Audacious. Now, if there were ever a blessing in disguise, this is it, right? Because this is when persecution gets personal. You're doing what God has led you to do the best you know how and it has taken you right into the middle of a thorn bush of ridicule and rejection and now you feel like you're in a buzzsaw. Your reputation is in a buzzsaw of slander and gossip and um, character assassination and you just thought you were following Jesus. And look what happened. And here's the most audacious thing. You know what Jesus says when that happens? Rejoice. Audacity. Rejoice. And not just with your voice, the words be glad. You know what they mean? Jump. It's like put your body into it. Like jump for joy. That's what Jesus is saying here. The audacity. You agree? No, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the insanity, right? Who does that? Exactly. What if I told you that Jesus is teaching his followers some spiritual judo? The kind that you use when you find yourself in such personal disagreement with others that they are, seem to be on the attack that they're calling you names, they're putting you down, they're making fun of you, or they're blackballing you, or worse. 
And they may not know it, but here's what you know. All you're really trying to do is follow Jesus. And you know what you're tempted to do in that moment? I know what I'm tempted to do. Stop following Jesus. <laughs> you know, get out. Duck and run or lash back, or go your own way, or fight fire with fire, right? That's what's coming up. Act ugly. Let your fear drive you to be angry and defensive. So you got, we can relate to that one. So for many, maybe you, this will be your least favorite beatitude. Feel that? And that may be because it's the one most contrary to your egocentric life. I mean no offense by that. I'm just telling you by personal experience here, okay? If you have ever prayed, dear God, please free me from myself, then this is the, <laughs> here's the way right here. In a world where we are literally commercialized to be full of ourselves, you deserve it. This is contrary in gospel. Smackdown. Now, I had uh, two favorite cakes growing up as a kid. Uh, angel food cake, you know, all puffy and fluffy and big and white, and uh, pineapple upside down cake. All gooey and yummy and whew, right? And I just, I, the warm feelings rise for me when I think back to my childhood and getting out the ingredients and mixing them up with my mom in the kitchen and then licking the bowl and then, you know, and then the, the, the hot, warm piece when it comes, oh, right? Did you know both of them are served downside up from the way they're baked? And in this beatitude, what I see, Jesus is showing us how to turn downside up up in life. The downside of life is typically accompanied by fear. You agree? Fear of pain, fear of loss, fear of something that we're afraid might happen, maybe. And I think Jesus is saying, okay, listen up, leaders. I'm going to teach you how to face your fear and overcome it. This is the blessing of that. Fear of man is a snare, but fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the secret of wisdom. I'm gonna take you into the secret place. This lesson is precisely what some of you spiritual warriors need right now because the weapons of the evil one, listen up, are the weapons of the world are to shame, to blame, and to defame. And Jesus unpacks that for us here, but here's what he says. When that happens, you know what? You can squeeze blessing out of that. When people insult you, that means when they bare their teeth at you to disgrace or discredit, discredit you, you can squeeze blessing out of that. When they persecute you, that means when they are literally hunting you down to overtake you, Jesus says, hey, there's blessing to be had there. When they say evil about you falsely, this isn't even true, and everybody's saying it. Malicious lying with an intention to deceive and to mislead others in order to hurt you. That's what he says, and he says, and when that's happening because of me, here's what, what can you do? I mean, you weren't looking for a fight. You were just trying to follow Jesus, right? And bam, bam, what, what can you do? Jesus says, hey, be audacious. 
be audacious. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Did you know this is the first beatitude that comes with a present active imperative verb? I'm not taking you to grammar class, but I'm just telling you, the rest of the Beatitudes, listen, they're all saying, receive, receive, receive. This is the first one Jesus says, and here's something for you to do. This is the only one where he says, I got something for you to do. This is like a commanding officer saying, this is a direct order, I want you to do this. We've been through eight of them, now we come to number nine. He says, blessing, 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 blessing. Now, here's what I want you to do. A challenge to do something. You know what he's saying? Rejoice, that's what you're supposed to do. That means, and by the way, rejoice is not a feeling word. Rejoice is a choosing word. It's a choice to rejoice where you intentionally lean consciously toward joy. It's not happiness that he's talking about. It's joy. You delight in grace. This is beyond a feeling. It's a choice. And then he says, and make the choice with your mind, voice it with your mouth, and then put your body into it. Jump for joy. This is audacious, right? And then he says, I want you to do that in the present. Why? Because of something that's going to happen in the future. Great is your reward in heaven. One thing. And something that's happened in the past. Prophets of God are always treated like this. The change agents that God uses in the world always are treated like this. So imagine that. You numbered with the prophets of God. By the way, Eli and Daniel, two of the most popular boys' names today, are the names of two Old Testament prophets. These are action figures for God. That's what prophets are. Courageous, committed, faithful. Now, you're hearing this, some of you are hearing this, and you're, you may be thinking just like that caterpillar when they see that first butterfly flying over, said, you'll never get me up in one of those. <laughs> you know, that's not me. I don't want to be a prophet. I didn't choose to be a prophet. Jesus, and you know what Jesus is saying? You can live your life larger than the hurt. You can live full on for God. And there's blessing there to be had. You press through the fear with joy, the same way the prophets did. Now, how did prophets live? I'll give you four quick summaries there. Eyes on God. Heart, humble obedience, here to serve you, Lord. Keep the main thing the main thing because a lot of other distractions are coming in. And then he says, Make, take your joy in your greater God, just like Jesus did. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Take your joy in your greater God. Or sum it all up, we could say it this way. Show greater faith in your greater God to do a greater thing. Live larger than this pain. And so here's the thing, as you, uh, as you follow Christ in this world, you're going to find yourself in disagreement with others. Is this true? Even facing hostility at times. And yet here's what Jesus is saying to his leaders, don't be daunted by the disruption. There's blessing to be had, even there. But listen up, the blessing doesn't come from vilifying or demonizing your opponent. The blessing doesn't come in lashing back, but in living up to a larger reality. It says you need to see that God is bigger than the smear, God is bigger than your fear, and rejoice in his bigness. That's the opportunity you've got right now. Show greater faith in your greater God to do a greater thing. 
than the mess you find yourself in. Or the way we say it at Christ's journey, disagree without dishonoring. When I came to first start serving as pastor here, I wrote to my immediate predecessor, a man whom I honor and esteem highly, Dan Yeary, and I asked him, what would you say are the values of this church? And one of them was, he said, we disagree without dishonoring. Never forgotten that. It's part of the practice of us. This is what Jesus is talking about. Because in this life, you are going to find yourself in disagreement with others and even people you love, wives and husbands. They ever disagree? Yeah, some of us are in disagreement right now. Right? Parents and kids, do they ever disagree? Yeah. In disagreement right now. Brothers and sisters, they ever disagree? Yeah. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do they ever disagree? They ever hold differing positions? Like on economics? Like on politics? Like on values? Like on things we call truth in our life? So when disagreement comes and you find yourself in opposition, what are you supposed to do? Well, show greater faith in a greater God to do a greater thing. Does that make sense? And then understand that some truths are greater than others. Now, a grid that Christians have used for centuries in trying to navigate through these waters of disagreement, I want to share it with you today. Three paradigms of Christian truth on, as an example of how to disagree with discretion. Disagree without dishonoring another. And the grid goes like this, absolutes, convictions, and preferences. Absolute truths are those that are absolutely essential for eternal salvation in Christ. Like what? Well, the deity of Jesus Christ, his death in our place, his bodily resurrection, his bodily return, the gift of salvation by grace through faith. These are absolutely essential. And then our ultimate essential ethics, we practice the greatest commandment of love and we practice the great commission so that we can show his love as we go to the world. These things are essentials in our salvation. But next, um, Christians differ on convictions. Convictions, what are convictions? Bible teachings that are distinctive to your faith tradition. Like what? Like predestination versus free will. Is there a disagreement there? like uh, sanctification by the Holy Spirit and holiness. What does that look like in Christian living? Like a mode of baptism, is it sprinkling or is it immersion? And what the meaning of communion, is Jesus with the elements or is it symbolic? You know, we disagree on these kind of things. Dis denominations have disagreed. The charismatic gifts, moral issues, politics, convictions that matter deeply and we can quote Bible verses to each other on them, but Christians disagree. But one of the things that Christians agree on is that none of these convictions are essential to eternal salvation because those are absolutely essential. See the difference there? And then preferences. Preferences are opinions that we hold are things that we practice because of a cultural familiarity. I was, I was raised this way or I always thought this, and, but we're familiar with them because it's how we we're raised, and this includes things like dress codes for church. You mean you can dress like that to go to church? Or hairstyles, or tattoos, or you know any number of things like that, like music in the church. These are preferences that we have, but here's the problem. When we elevate a preference and a conviction to the level of an absolute, and then reject people in ways that Jesus never did based on a preference or a conviction, we're in trouble. 
Paul addresses that difference in two words, Romans chapter 14, verse one, he calls them disputable matters. That means that arguments can be made on both sides. He's talking about Christians who disagree on different issues in the church in that day. And uh, he says that Christians essentially will be in disagreement and dispute with one another and argument can be made on either side. So what are we supposed to do when we find ourselves there? Well, chapter 14, verse one, book of Romans says, accept him whose faith is weak. We accept each other, accept the people without passing judgment on disputable matters. You mean it's possible to disagree without judging somebody? Well, that's what he says. Well, that may be a new thought. But in fact, he goes even beyond that. This is audacious, isn't it? He goes beyond that. He says, you know what really you're supposed to do? When you find yourself in disagreement and opposition, you're supposed to love. You love your enemies. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So if you want to keep all the laws that matter to God, this is the big one. Romans chapter 13, verse 10, Galatians chapter five, verse 14. Jesus' brother, half-brother James writes it in his epistle. John the apostle writes about it in 1 John. Peter writes about it in 1 Peter. I mean, they were all listening when Jesus said, you know, by this will all men know you're my disciples. That you argue each other down? No. That you love one another. Augustine's, this is audacious, isn't it? Augustine's been credited in saying, in essentials, unity, that's the absolutes. In non-essentials, convictions and preferences. Liberty, can we be free to disagree without dishonoring one another? And then in all things, charity. That's a word that means love. In other words, we disagree without dishonoring one another, and we make room for one another to hold differing opinions. Is that what Paul's talking about? And listen, we all know this practically speaking. Don't we all know that there are some battles you just really don't need to fight? You don't want to fight? You know, you can fight with a skunk, but you'll never smell it. You may win the fight, but you'll never smell the same. Right? And then after the fight, you sure don't have to pick the skunk up, put it in your trunk, and take it with you everywhere you go and keep reinvigorating the aroma. <laughs> See what I'm saying? When others try to provoke you, as they will, and try to prevent you from doing the will of God, what does Jesus say? Because that's what's going on here. He said, guys, you gotta respond with joy. That's my directive to you. That's my command to you. Squeeze the blessing out of it. He drew a circle that left me out. Heretic rebel, a thing to flout, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that just brought him in. Audacious. I've long had this practice dealing with my critics. Yes, I do have critics. <laughs> and they do have criticism. And here's what I have learned to do with it. This is, what I, this is my practice. Not that I always get it right, but this is my goal. First, I listen, not just for my turn to talk. I listen for understanding. What are they trying to say? To learn, I learn, I learn. What am I not seeing? Where are my blind spots? What am I not hearing? What matters so much to them? I listen, I learn, then I love. Love never fails. 
What does that mean? That means I refuse to give another person the right to make me hate them. I refuse to give another person the right to stop me from loving them. That's my choice. So I say out loud, you know, I love them. I love you. I love my critics. I listen, I learn, I, I love, and then I let them go. <laughs> and I lead my life the way I think God wants me to. And Jesus would say this, Bill, you need to add another L to your list. Laugh. Rejoice. You got to choose joy in the middle of the criticism, especially when the heat is on, right? And didn't his, uh, well, you've seen the t-shirt, right? Is it, what does it say? Um, live, love, learn, laugh. Jesus would say, man, rejoice, jump for joy. And just in case we missed him saying it, his half-brother James writes about it to people in that first century society that were under hardship. James chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. He doesn't say when you win the lottery, when you get the promotion, when she doesn't disagree with you, when you know, he says, consider it joy. This is a choice to rejoice. It's a matter of the will. And then you put your body into it. Why? Because you are showing greater faith in your greater God to do a greater thing. You're living larger than the disagreement. God is bigger than the smear. God is bigger than your fear. God is bigger than the thing. God is bigger than the injustice. God is bigger than the unfairness. God is bigger than the not rightness about this and all those things that are rising up in you. God is bigger than the humiliation and the manipulation that you're afraid of. And he's saying, let me show you how to live larger than this. Find your joy in Jesus and live larger than this life. Now, let me get real practical. How do you do this? And I would say, simply speaking, and I have done this, you throw a party. How do you choose joy in the middle of a hardship? Throw a party. What kind of party? A downside up party. You know, hey, I want you to come to my party. What kind of party? What's the occasion? Oh, we're turning downside up. We're gonna have a downside up party. Yeah, do I need to bring anything? No, we're gonna have pineapple upside down cake. We're gonna fix it because you fix it this way and you serve it that way because this is a downside up party. So you get three, maybe four of your trusted friends in the faith who understand what it's like to go through hardship and where you are emotionally. And you say, we're gonna do what Jesus said. We wanna rejoice, we wanna be glad. We're gonna turn the music up. We're gonna have some pineapple upside down cake. We're gonna dance like nobody's looking, you know. We're gonna jump for joy. Maybe you ought to put in your favorite funny movie. Choose joy to laugh in the middle by faith and trust God to show up and introduce you to a larger life of that which is yet to be because change agents for God are always treated like this leader. I read of uh, some mountain climbers that were ascending the Matterhorn in the Alps, very impressive peak. Two of the uh, climbers were experienced the third was his first time up. And when they reach the top, the veterans sort of peel away and let the newbie have the first look, which he was so excited, you know, he was, stand, he was getting ready to stand up on top of the summit and they yank him down and he doesn't get it. You know, what, what are you doing? He said, no, no, no. Up here, the only safe place is on your knees. 
So put your hand up. He did. Immediately, it was shoved back by the force of the wind. Because when you're at the summit, you deal with different kinds of opposition. And as you grow in Christ, can I tell you, the high point of maturity in Christ is going to be taking up a cross to follow him, and the only safe place is on your knees. You won't find relief whining and complaining and criticizing back and ducking and running. The growth is in the pressing in to your fear. And then you know what happens? You suddenly realize, I'm not big enough to do this. <laughs> and that's like saying, Jesus said, well, what was that first thing we learned? Oh, poor in spirit. There's a See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. And he brings you right back around and says, the cycle of blessing will continue. Have you learned yet that this is how your pathway to blessing will be, that you will grow to be more like me as you choose to let me do my work in the midst of hardship. The first people to hear Jesus say this were under a corrupt king and an oppressive government. Persecution was real. They probably wondered, <laughs> what kind of blessing are you talking about, Jesus? That sounds like cursing to me. That's more of a curse than a blessing. Hey, wait, maybe that's what Jesus is saying. Even when the, facing the curses of a fallen world, don't fear, Jesus is saying. Why don't we let God show you how to flip it and then downside up, realize that every blessed life includes suffering. And that when Christ followers engage the suffering of Christ, that we become identified with the suffering of Christ, that there is blessing to be had and shared there. Now, our culture is not good at suffering. You know, we're pain avoiders. We're addicted to painkillers. When suffering comes, we usually try to run. Jesus is saying, don't. You don't have to. Let God meet you in the pain and then take you higher and teach you something that you don't know. See, you don't know what you don't know, but God does. And he can take you there and show you how it works. In fact, on the cross, the first thing Jesus said to his persecutors was what? Father, forgive them. They don't know. The audacity to love his persecutors. Well, what does love do when we unleash love? Well, the Bible says it casts out fear. So that's mitigating one emotion that's going on inside of me. And then it says love will never fail. I'm trusting that one right now. And that's the larger blessing we're being called into. Christ followers, world leaders, he is saying unleash the power of love with joy, and if there is anything being worth being persecuted for, that's it. They may call you names. You may be mistreated and misunderstood. But every one of us, you have the power of choice. Make the choice to rejoice and let God change your point of view and then changing your perspective, go to work inside of you as you persevere through the pain. Don't give up too soon. In fact, you know what? Even the Super Bowl isn't done until sudden death overtime. So don't quit too soon.
Would you pray with me? God, some of us feel like we're in sudden death overtime right now. Circumstances don't look so good. Feelings don't feel so good. Troubles troubling us and we're being tempted to duck and run, to fight back, to turn to our own way, to stop following you. Christ follower, if that's you, then right now, can I invite you to let Jesus have that fear and make the choice, not a feeling, but the choice to rejoice, to choose joy. God, I choose to believe that you are bigger than this thing and I welcome your reward into my life and I welcome your focus into my life and I choose joy. I will voice it and I will put my body into it. So show me my next steps. Perhaps it's that disagreement that's happened with your spouse. Maybe it's a, a distance between you and your parents or you and your kids. Where has the uh, disruption erupted? Well, that's the place where God would bring his blessing. So Lord, we welcome your blessing. And we now pray that you would lead us to be leaders as you have taught. For somebody in spiritual warfare right now who's being shamed or blamed or defamed, I pray you'll teach them the secret wisdom here and to choose joy and live larger, trusting you to do the greater thing. And perhaps you're here on the front end of your spiritual journey and you'd like to know how to begin your relationship with Christ. It's as simple as this prayer, but saying it from your heart of faith. Dear God, forgive my sins, come into my life, make me the person you want me to be. I'm turning from my way to your way. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for rising from the dead for me, and for sending your spirit to come alive in me. I receive you. Now lead me. Our head's still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your early steps of faith, I'd like to simply ask you to raise your hand and hold it up for a moment till I have a chance to see. And uh, if you're joining us online, then there's an orange banner right there across the screen and you can click on that and allow us to join you in prayer as well. To my right, I'm seeing a woman in the back and a man a little bit farther to the left in the center. I'm seeing a couple and two couples. God bless you. Anyone else? We're praying for one another right now. Another here in the middle. God bless you. Two more. Yes, Lord. Lord Jesus, for every man, every woman who just by uplifted hand have shown their, an open heart and a desire to take a step forward in faith to follow you, we pray that they would sense your blessing upon them 
and whatever challenge that they are facing right now, that they would now sense your joy rising within them and giving them strength. And now through them to share the blessing with others as we make our prayer in your name, amen.